Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. God is good. And all the time, let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise this evening. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be back in the house of the Lord this evening for our midweek service. And um, as you can um, look around and see, we've got several that we're missing uh, tonight. Uh, uh, some's going, getting ready to go on that camping extrusion that they're going to be having. And uh, we've had some contact us. Look, they're having to work over tonight, not able to be here. So we just remember them in prayer. We pray God's hand protection upon the campers and those who are doing, uh, doing that. But we're grateful and thankful for our uh, two visitors that we have tonight. They're just new to the neighborhood. So first of all, we would just welcome them to the neighborhood. Amen. And um, we're just pleased and happy that they chose to be with us here on this evening. Hallelujah. We're going to go to God in prayer uh, <laughs> at this time. And uh, we want everybody uh, to continue remember Brother Meek and his family in prayer that we'll be having a funeral service uh, tomorrow. And um, pray, uh, just pray for them, hold them up. Uh, uh, it's um, really hitting uh, Brother Mink hard with the passing of his wife. They've been married 61 years, and that's a, uh, that's a few days, isn't it? Amen. So uh, let's remember them in prayer. Uh, Sister Leanne did lose her father. He passed away. And uh, she's having a rough time with that. We want to hold her up in prayer. And um, uh, Leanne, if you are watching by the live stream, we are praying for you. Have been. We continue to uh, uh, to pray for you uh, in that situation. Hallelujah. Anybody else got a special prayer request that you'd like to speak up and mention tonight before we go to God in prayer? Amen. No special prayer request. All right, what about unspoken requests? God knows what we need before we even ask, the Bible says, and we don't have to speak it. God knows that we ask that you will remember our uh, study tonight as we hear uh, the study of the Word of God. We had a um, tremendous time last Sunday. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary, and uh, um, we're just happy and thankful, um, amen, for that. And uh, we are praying uh, for the uh, uh, the coming conference in Hot Springs, Arkansas, with the youth camp that will be going on down there. Praying that God will um, uh, bless that, amen, as, uh, as well, hallelujah. Uh, next Wednesday night, uh, we will not be having a, a, a service because it's the first Wednesday night of the month, and we will be having what? Amen. It's our monthly focused prayer. We do this the first Wednesday night of every month, and we come together and spend um, uh, an hour, and um, we have somebody we're doing a devotional, uh, reading, speaking, and then we do uh, prayer. Prayer is very much important, so I wanted to... Uh, uh, remind you of that while uh, I had it on my mind that we will be doing the prayer service next Wednesday night. And also, as we pray tonight, we'll be offering the blessing over our offering. On Wednesday nights, we do not, as you know, pass an offering pan, but if you have an offering you want to give, you come and put it in, uh, in the offering plate, and we greet one another while we are doing this tonight. So, Let's bow our heads and go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you and we praise you for the privilege to be in your house tonight. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. We call out um, Leanne's name in prayer, asking that you will comfort her and help her during the loss of her father. Strengthen her, God, in the, uh, in the days ahead and help her through this time. We also pray for uh, Brother Gary meet God and the passing of his wife and we pray for uh, his whole family God help them also as well uh, and um, we pray God for the safety of all those that from the church will be going on the youth girl uh, camping trip beginning uh, this evening 
be with them as well. And God keep them safe and protected. Bless the offering that we're about to receive. Bless the gift and the giver in the merciful, mighty name of Jesus Christ. We ask and pray that the church say, Amen. God bless you tonight as you give. You can say you got the handout. Um, you give this couple here and a couple handouts and Liz back there in the back. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. We began. There was people um, asking questions about this. Uh, and so we uh, thought it would be good um, on our Wednesday night study to get into um, how we got our Bible as we have it today. And with all the many translations that they are, um, which ones can you trust and which ones are accurate? Uh, and uh, so we began this uh, last Wednesday night. And uh, I believe we will probably finish it up tonight. I um, hope so. And we'll start uh, a new study um, a little bit later. On uh, page number two on your handout, um, we got down last week um, to uh, the Noah Webster uh, Bible. And uh, this, this right here is the steps uh, that different English translations uh, have taken to get us where we are today. And uh, I covered last week the Geneva Bible. If you notice that, um, it came out in 1560. Um, 
quite a bit older than the King James, 1560. And I have a copy, a newly printed copy of this, this, this Bible. Uh, it was out of print for, I guess, close to 400 years. Uh, nobody, it wasn't available to anybody. And uh, they recently got together and, um, and did it in, in modern English and, uh, and put it out. And I said, when I seen it, I said, I've got to have that because this right here is a very special Bible. Uh, anybody heard of, the, of the, uh, the pilgrims that came over on the Mayflower? What was the other two ships, the Santa Maria and the, yeah, okay. This right here is the Bible the pilgrims had. This right here is the Bible that they used that based, uh, first of all, the Mayfair Com uh, Mayflower Compact, the first legal document in our country. And this is the one that, that was used uh, uh, to help uh, form the basis of a lot of the laws of our Constitution. So this is a very special <coughs> translation. It's uh, made uh, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in today's English so you can read it because the English language back then was uh, really, uh, uh, if you was to look at it, you would say that can't be English, but it was English. And uh, to give you just an example, uh, a scripture that we use, you know, a lot uh, for um, uh, the plan of salvation, um, the scripture that the apostle Peter gave the people uh, on the birthday of the church, on the uh, first day of Pentecost, when he preached that message to them, and they asked him, what, men and brethren, what shall we do? And of course, and, um, I said that, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall be filled with, um, you know, the Holy Spirit. And uh, this right here, when I, I got it out, I began reading it, and I'm, I'm presently reading through this Bible right now. But it brings out so well what I have been, I have preached for years. A lot of people think that water baptism uh, is a cure-all. But the water don't save you, folks. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's got to be a change made in your life. The, the, this picking up from the original Greek translated this uh, using the word repent. It says amend your ways and be baptized. Amend your ways. If there's not a life change, a lifestyle change, water baptism is not going to do you any good. Amen. And I, that's that's one of many points, but uh, we covered this one last week, and I didn't have it with me, but I brought this, uh, and if anybody would like to look at it, and also um, I've got the original copy of the King James as it come out in 1611. Uh, and um, anybody would like to uh, see that. But um, we'll pick up where we left off. Um, in 1833, Noah Webster, he, he made a translation of the scripture, and his name is familiar. He's the one that come out with the uh, uh, English, the dictionary to the English language, and he later uh, uh, translated the uh, uh, the Bible uh, from um, the original Greek unto uh, the English language. Then in 1885, we got the Revised Version Bible, and that was the first major English revision of the King James Bible. Some people get upset when you tell them the King James has been revised four or five times. Uh, and they, they deny that, but history shows it. I mean, it, it's there. And you can get a copy of this uh, revised version, 1885, if you'd like to, you know, go online and order a copy of it. 1901, the year my father was born, uh, the American Standard Version came out. First major American version of the King James Bible. 
uh, and uh, it was actually um, a uh, revision of the King James Bible, the American Standard. The 1971, the New American Standard Bible, uh, modern and accurate word-for-word English translation. Now, you're fixing to see that term again, word-for-word. Of the Bible from the Greek and Hebrew text. 1973, the New International Version, uh, the NIV, what I what I call sometimes the nearly inspired version. <laughs> Amen. Um, published uh, uh, at modern accurate uh, phrase for phrase English translation of the Bible. However. Its accuracy is very much disputed in many places and is often found wanting as a reliable translation. They categorize it as a dynamic equivalent. So, uh, in other words, it was not word for word translated from the original Greek to the English. Uh, Then in 1982, the New King James Version, and that's the version that we use Mostly here, you'll hear uh, myself um, when I'm ministering on Sunday mornings, uh, uh, reading from the New King James. Ronnie uh, does the same. Um, It maintains the original style of the King James and the approximate five five revision of the translation. Now, on the next page, page number three, if you can make heads or tails of this, this is going to let you know what were each these that I just went through last week and tonight, what, where they stand. Notice at the very bottom, you see the original manuscripts. And they were written uh, uh, from 1500 B.C. to around 100 uh, A.D., None of those exist no more. There, we don't have any. We don't have anything of the original manuscripts. There were early copies made of the original, and I've got those different texts that's in there, but it's so blurry you can't make them out. But everything that we how whichever one of these translations you you read comes from these uh, ancient copies. Uh, now, I want you to look up there to uh, uh, Tyndale, 1525. All right? If you'll notice, there's, there's a bar going down to the ancient copies. Okay? That English language and this man... Was remember he's the one that they burn him at the stake. The Roman Catholic Church did for his translating the Bible into English so everybody could understand it. Before that time, the people went to the church services and the priests would do everything in Latin, and uh, they had to trust what they were saying was the Word of God. Uh, and needless to say, when these men begin to translate the Bible in the English language from the original Greek. They begin to show that a lot of the doctrines and the stuff that the Roman Catholic Church was teaching was not right. That's what brought about the Reformation. That's what brought about Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses on the castle there on the, on Halloween, uh, uh, there October the 31st in Germany, which sent and began the, the Protestant Reformation. Uh, and what this is here, wherever you see that line bar going to, each one of these is where they, uh, they came from. Uh, if you'll notice, the King James up here in uh, 1611, it come from uh, the Geneva Bible. This, this Bible I got right here, they use this to uh, uh, to make uh, the King James. That's where, where it come from. But uh, also, if you notice 
on the Geneva Bible, there's a little bar there to the Great Bible. And we talked about that last week. And uh, that's, that's one of the Bibles that they used when they was translating this. Uh, and this just connects uh, each and every, every one of them. And uh, I won't uh, try to go over all that. That will take my time from doing some, uh, bringing out some other things I want to bring out. But you can look at that uh, uh, and take it home. Now, on the back, here's where we're going to get down to the, the nitty-gritty. And hopefully we can uh, give you some information here to let you know what translation can you trust. Here's, here's the, the flux of the matter, folks. If you believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God, you want to make sure that what you're reading is an accurate translation of that. As we, and it's on the front page of your handout. You know, the, the, the original manuscripts in the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, uh, New Testament mainly in Greek. And then from that point, you got all the different translations that came, came about. But if we believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God, and in it contains information to let us know how we're going to be able to get to heaven, we got, we got to make sure and have confidence in what we are reading is right, and it's not nothing been added to it or taken from it. Amen? Yeah, that's, and, and we know reading in the Bible, you know, what God says, we shouldn't add to or take from. Uh, and that's, that's one reason why we've got so many different denominations uh, 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 today. People add here and they add there and they take away here and take away there. We need to leave the Word of God holy and pure as it was written. And we gave you the scriptures last week. The Bible, even though it was written by man, they were inspired. The Bible said they were written as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. God gave them the inspiration. Uh, so on the back, today's English Bibles tend to fall into one of three categories. Now this is, uh, I want everybody to follow me close on this because I'm getting now into what the reason why I'm doing this, uh, this lesson that people ask questions about. The English Bible, all the English translations, they fall into one of three different categories. They are those that lean towards word for word or essentially a literal translation. And that means what you're reading word for word is a literal translation from the original writing because that's what's inspired. The individual translations are not necessarily inspired. When we talk about the Word of God being inspired, it's, it's the Word of God as the, as the man who originally wrote it. So the first category is word for word or essentially literal translation. Those that lean, then you got those that lean more towards thought for thought. In other words, they, they look at, they look at the, the original and they try to figure out what the author was thinking. Uh, and they, they could be right and they could be wrong. You know, I mean, have you ever, let me, how many people has uh, experience on social media? Let me see your hand. You ever been on social media? Well, I don't, if, if you're like me, there's a lot of times if I make a if I make a post on social media and I say something, nine times out of ten somebody is going to misinterpret what I say. They think they know what I'm talking about, and they make some kind of negative comment, and what they are commenting on is way off, you know. So, but the thought for thought translations, and those that paraphrase. The meaning. Paraphrase. Some Bibles are, are a blend of two different types. 
So you got the word for word, you got the, um, the thought for thought, and you got the paraphrases. That's the three classes of translations that all of them come in. The Bible that most closely follow the copies of the original manuscripts are word-for-word translations and essentially literal translations. In other words, when you are looking for a Bible to read and to study and to, and to base your life on, you need to pick a translation that is a word-for-word translation. That is the one that you're going to be guaranteed the most to get what the original author uh, intended. Uh, they give the most accurate presentation of the original manuscripts. Uh, that makes them the best choice for all personal uses and corporate uses. Thought for thought translations move away from word for word or literal approach and aim to transfer the meaning of paraphrases or groups of words from the original to an English equivalent. Paraphrases are written to be easier to read and understand than word for word and thought for thought. See, that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, people are looking for something that they can read and better understand. They say, I just don't understand the King James. Uh, and so uh, they'll, they'll go with one that's a paraphrase. Uh, and uh, but while this may shed light on the meaning of the text, care should be taken when using them. Paraphrases sometimes change the original meaning too much. If you do choose to use a paraphrase, I recommend using it alongside a more accurate translation. There's nothing wrong to have a paraphrase if you want to, uh, to look at it, but you need to have a mainstay uh, that you're going to have as your uh, main Bible translation that you enter everything else that you read or look, you're going to use this to judge by. Amen. Now, um, I... Uh, Look at, look at the, the chart I've got here. Types of Bible translations. Okay, now you got the interlineal. That's under the category of word for word. New American Standard uh, Bible, that's word for word. The Amplified Version. That's a good, that's a good uh, extra Bible to have that don't change the meaning. It just it, it brings it out. English Standard Version is a word-for-word. Word. As we're going up the spectrum here, Revised Standard Version. Notice that the Revised Standard Version is a little closer to the original than the King James. Think about that. Then you got the New King James, a Holman Christian Standard. Now we're beginning to get into the thought-for-thought New Revised Standard, New American Bible, uh, New Jerusalem Bible, the NIV, the TNIV, uh, NCV as we're moving over. And then we're getting towards on the other end of the spectrum, the paraphrases, the NLT, the New Living Translation. <coughs> uh, the... Uh, my glasses, and I'm, I'm having a hard time reading these myself. Uh, GNT, the CEV. And then on the far end of the spectrum is the Message Bible. These Bibles here on this far end, I don't say that any of them is completely wrong, but you've got to have something else that you need to, to judge by because there are some changes in there that could mess you up. Talking about paraphrases versus translations. These paraphrases, like the Message Bible, is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. 
meaning it's completely been uh, uh, been changed. And I found some mighty bad stuff in it when I'm when I'm reading from it. Paraphrases of the Bible are not translations. Translations are done by a team of Bible scholars who are experts in biblical language. Now, on this over here, on this on this this in here, the word for word, all of these here, all of these translations was not translated by one man. They were translated by a group, a whole group of, of scholars. For instance, the King James, there was 47 scholars that got together and worked over the years to translate that. The, um, the New King James had 130. All of these, but down here, when you get over here, most of your paraphrases was translated by only one man with nobody to check him out or work together to see if there was a mistake. I highly recommend that you stay away from any of them that is translated by only one man. Uh, and I will, I'm going to get further into that. The various books in the Bible are assigned to scholars who have done in-depth study of those books, and they go through a series of checks and balances to assure accuracy. Paraphrases are written by a single author who is attempting to put the Bible into words that he feels his particular group will easily under, excuse me, understand. He may or may not consult the original language. A lot of them don't even go back to the, uh, the copies of the original when they're doing their translation. The me and I'm going to talk about the message paraphrase. It come out in uh, uh, 2017 by a man by the name of Eugene Peterson publicly shared ideas that were not scriptural in regarding uh, to homosexuality. I want you to get ready. I got another picture, Chris. I want you to put up there just here in a second. Now, I'm talking about the guy who translated this version called The Message. His name is Eugene Peterson. But this man, uh, he had views regarding homosexuality that are not biblical. He later retracted his statements when Lifeway publishers prepared to stop selling his books. However, Peterson's attitude toward homosexuality are reflected in passages about homosexuality. Here, uh, for an example, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 1, this is what uh, uh, his translation says. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. This is what he says. Those who use and abuse each other use and abuse sex and use and abuse the earth and everything in it. That's his translation in the message. He says, use and abuse each other and sex. Well, we can say that's, uh, you know, that's right. But the Greek word right there in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, osikonotes, in verse 9, is translated, a male engaging in same gender sexual activity, a sodomite. He did not put a homosexual in there in his translation or, the, or sodomite, but he said those who use and abuse each other uh, sexually. And he did that to lessen the effect of what the scripture is actually referring to. And uh, he did that. 
uh, intentionally, and this is in the, in the message. Now, here's, here's what it says in a uh, word-for-word translation, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 1. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual, immoral, or idolaters, or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, will inherit the kingdom of God. You see how that brings that out? There's, there's no doubt. But um, this, uh, this guy was a, uh, uh, a Presbyterian minister. And, uh, you know, there's two big major denominations that's going through splits right now. We know all over this all this issue, uh, and one of course is the uh, United Methodist Church, and they have recently they figured out and put out they have recently had over five thousand churches pull out of their uh, their group because of ordination of homosexuals into the ministry. The other group uh, is the Presbyterians. Uh, now put up that other picture. Now, this, this guy might look like a, uh, a pope or something like that, but this guy is teaching a Sunday school class for young people in his church on Sunday morning. He's dressed in drag. That's what they are pushing today. So, Think about that and remember that picture the next time you, you find a, a, a message translation of the Bible. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that it come from. Uh, and uh, so you can take that down and go back with the other one. Now, <laughs> I'm going to end up, I know I'm going to get on some, things here, and, I, and it, it got on me because I, this is why there, there's translations coming out so so often today that we don't take the time to look them up uh, and check them out. And this translation, I started using a lot myself, and you may have seen or heard me quote some things from it. I did it because I first heard it from a, a brother that we have come here quite often for revival, and he probably did it the same way as, as me. But I want to talk about the Passion Translation. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a, a place you can go online, you can Google Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway has got, I don't know, 30 or 40 different translations that you can compare. And uh, Bible Gateway used to have the Passion Translation on it, but they, they took it off because they found out some things in it that it's subtle and it could, unless you are really up on your scriptures could be misled on some things. Not, it's, it's not everything, but there are some things. The Passion Translation was not translated by a group of scholars, but by one man, like the, like the message. His name is Brian Simmons. Brian Simmons, and here we go. And you can check me on this. You can look this up. You can Google this. I'll let you know, I, I mean, I'm, this blew my mind when I found this out, really. Brian Simmons claims that God gave him a new revelation for the Passion Translation. Does that sound a little bit like a man by the name of Joseph Smith and the Mormons who claims that a, the, the angel Moriah came down and left some golden plates and gave me a, a revelation. I'm going to tell you something, folks. 
There is no new revelation. When this book was written by the final man, in the, John on the Isle of Patmos, that sealed the revelation from all times. The Word of God is not of any private translation or interpretation. Uh, if I, I believe, I believe in that we we led by the Spirit of God. I believe that the, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But if I come in here and I tell you that we're not going to follow this no more, or none of these right here that goes back to the original, we're not going to follow none of them no more because. I was praying, seeking God, and God gave me a new revelation, and y'all start following me. That's the time for you either to leave or get together and, and, and say, we're going we're gonna to boot this joker out. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Many, a lot of younger people may not know it, but in uh, a few years ago, a man by the name of Jim Jones led his church from America out to another place, the People's Temple. And uh, they wound up 969 men, women, and children dead drinking poison Kool-Aid. And you know what? None of those people had to die. This man started out right. He had a he had a he, he had a a good ambition and he was helping people. His church was feeding the homeless there where they were at and doing a great work. He's like many, but fame and fortune got to his head. And you've heard me, some of you have, as I preached about this in the past, one Sunday morning as he was preaching, he took the Bible, pitched it down, and said, y'all don't need to follow that no more. God wants you to follow me. If those people had got up and walked out on him right then and there, none of them nor their babies would have been poisoned to death in Guyana, Jamestown. They met 969 people. Brian Simmons claims that he got a new revelation from God. It's what he based on this translation of the Passion Translation. He has no formal education in Bible languages, nor is he an expert in any particular book of the Bible, nor did he work with a team of Bible scholars. The Passion Translation is not a legitimate translation. It is a paraphrase with a heavy agenda. Filled with words and not found in the original language, but found in Simmons' other teaching. It's got some good things in it. I have used some things out of it. But here's, here's the thing. I've been in the ministry for 53 years. Whatever field you are in, after you've been in for a while, you're going to know a little bit about it. So that 53 years that I've been carrying the gospel has given me some understanding of the Word of God. I can, I can read some of these things and these paraphrases and I can use them and I'll know it's going gonna, it's gonna to click automatically if something is not legit. I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to brag there. I'm making myself out there. I hope you understand. I'm doing it. I mean, I, I know what the book says. We're losing our writes more and more every day and we, we, we could come to the day that they take the Bible away. I don't know. It's possible. But praise God, God's words in my heart is planted. It's planted in my heart. They'll never take it from that. It's there. And when I, when I look at some of these, I, I, I use them just for enhancing my study. But if, what I'm trying to say is if you are not fully versed in the scripture. Be careful. Be careful. Some of the, and the ones that you need to be careful the most about is those on this far end of the, over here, the paraphrases. And that's one reason why I, I put this on here because you can look. And 
the um, the King James, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the New King James, but the King James is one of the best to use as your basic Bible because of this. You got the Strong's Concordance that's numbered with all the words in the King James. And you can open up that Strong's Concordance and find the original word. Uh, Strong's is not, is not keyed to the New King James or some of the, these others, but when the Strong's Concordance was put out, it was geared to the King James. You, these are tools that you need when you're studying the Bible. I, every, everybody needs a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance on the Bible. Because we want to get what the original word says. But I look to Sister Darlene a lot when I'm teaching on Wednesday night. She, she follows me on the Amplified Version. And the Amplified brings things out really good and you can trust it. Uh, and again, some of these others, you know, I've seen some good things. I mean, the New Living Translation, but it's on the beginning there of the paraphrase. You just got to be careful about the paraphrase because just remember, those all was translated by one man, not a team of people getting together from interdenominational groups of people from various that are committed uh, to the original. And one final thing before I close out, I want to mention what a lot of people today say, but how do we know it's been so long, especially in, from the Old Testament, how do we know for sure that it wasn't changed by some of those scribes that copied these versions down through uh, the year. God had a plan for us in this day. He, opened, he had a plan because in 1947 there was something discovered, and you'll see this on this right here, called the Dead Sea Scrolls. A little uh, a shepherd pitching stones in a cave heard something crack. And they went in there and investigated and they found old clay jars uh, with scrolls and scrolls of Old Testament texts that dated back to 300s. And when they begin to decipher those, those Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a lot in the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah. It's word for word, folks. And I know God protected those Dead Sea Scrolls so we could have confidence in our day and our age. Look here. We know what we are getting has not been changed by man. The Dead Sea Scrolls proved that when they, when they was located in 1947 and it took a few years to translate them. So, has anybody got any question about what I've covered that you'd like um, me to answer if I can? Uh, take, take the handout with you and, you know, do your, do your own research. Somebody popped me a text today and ask about a, a particular translation. Uh, and, uh, and I said, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you because I had never heard of it. They're coming out all the time, more and more. Um, and um, we got to, you know, we don't need every new thing that comes along. Amen. I think that's one thing that's got this, this old world in shape. And now we need, as, as, as the prophet of old said in the Old Testament, follow the old path. Where is the good way? The tried and the true way. Hallelujah.
Amen. If it worked then, it can work for us. Can you say amen? Let's all stand together. I appreciate you being here tonight uh, and uh, with us as we study. We thank you, those of you watching online as well. And um, we will be back um, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school at 10 o'clock. And then our worship service will start at 11.15. And it's the first Sunday of the month. And it's going to be Mission Missions Day. We'll be taking up a special missionary offering as we support missionaries around the world who carry and spread the gospel. Sister um, uh, Susan is doing a fantastic job in Ecuador. Man, that lady is a powerhouse. For God, I mean, seeing people born again, filled with the Spirit of God. I'm so happy that we are supporting what she is doing there. We, uh, I am going to uh, get a check tonight from, uh, from, uh, from Kessie. I don't know if you heard about and seen on, on the news reports of the bad flooding in, in the country of Haiti. It uh, was very devastating. And uh, uh, the area where the church is and the school was, was flooded. And now people are catching cholera by the hundreds and dying because it's damaged the water so bad. And there was a well there on the church and school property that people drunk from. And uh, they have, uh, some of them have gotten sick and some of them have died by catching cholera. So the pastor over there said they needed a 1,000-gallon uh, uh, a uh, tank that would hold fresh water. He could get it shipped in uh, so the people can have, and the, and the kids can have fresh water to drink and not get sick. So we, because of our church's giving and support of missions, we're going to be sending them $500 to help pay for that tank, which is going to save some lies. So, thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's bow. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this service tonight. For those that are here, we thank you for your word, God, that we've been studying this uh, last two weeks. It's the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. I pray your blessings on our youth group that's on the captain excursion tonight. Keep them safe. And everybody that's here, I pray that you will bless them and keep them safe as they head on the highway, head home. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Let the church say, God bless you. We love you in the Lord.